You're listening to the Long's Chapel Weekly Message Podcast, available Sundays at 5 o'clock p.m. If you would like to connect to Long's Chapel or keep up with all events happening at Long's Chapel Church, connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, or on our church website, longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, because all people matter to God. This week's message comes from our lead pastor, Reverend Chris Westmoreland. Um, if you visit the website, there's this little box that pops up that says, do you want to know more about uh, Christmas time at Long's Chapel? And most of the time I'm on a mission when I'm on our website, so I just click right past that and then go to wherever I want to go. But I invite you, if you haven't already, to follow that link. Hit on that little box that pops up and then go do whatever you're going to do uh, to really take in um, the wonderful opportunities and experiences that are available uh, to each of us. As we have an opportunity today um, over the next bit of time in our, um, in our service, we have a, a chance to reflect a little bit on a passage of Scripture that's actually very traditional uh, to reflect on on the first Sunday of Advent. We have a chance to do that. also have a chance uh, to be able to share in the gift of Holy Communion. And so especially, and just in case you're not kind of used to communion and, and um, church stuff, just want to know that this is an opportunity where there's going to be some pieces of bread. There's going to be some little cups of juice. And those are symbolic to us in a very intentional way um, about God's story and about who Jesus is and Pastor Joey's going to go over that in a few moments in what we call the Great Thanksgiving. But just um, want to invite you. You will be invited to come forward if you choose to. It's invitation, not obligation. We're invited to come forward and to receive a piece of bread uh, and a little cup of juice um, to be able to honor that like in some way, shape, or form, you're, um, you're longing for more of God. And so if that's something that you want to do, you're welcome to do that. And we'll do that right together at the very end of, um, of this time. As we uh, share together, there is um, Isaiah 11, beginning in verse 1. There are some words that we find there that do capture something of uh, our heart today. Uh, On what is the first Sunday of the Christian year. I know that's different because it's not January and you're thinking what, but actually first Sunday of the Christian year, and we have an opportunity to be able to experience um, uh, some kind of words together. Let me just read them. These are actually from uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message Version of Scripture uh, from Isaiah 11. And it says, a green shoot will sprout from Jesse's stump, and from his roots a budding branch, and the life-giving Spirit of God will hover over him. And the Spirit that brings wisdom and understanding, the Spirit that gives direction and builds strength, the the Spirit that instills knowledge and a, a reverence or a fear of God. That reverence of God, that fear of God will, will be all his joy and delight. And he won't judge by appearances, and he like won't decide on the basis of hearsay. Like he'll judge the needy by what is right, render decisions on earth's poor with, with justice. Like his words will will bring everyone to awed attention, and a mere breath from his lips will topple the wicked. Each morning he'll pull on sturdy work clothes, he'll put on sturdy work boots. And he'll build righteousness and faithfulness in the land. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What an odd and interesting and confusing passage of Scripture. If you're not confused um, in that, there is imagery actually that probably should confuse us all. I guess I want to begin where that particular Scripture begins. And it's um, in this really interesting notion of a stump and a shoot. So if I uh, ask you the question of have you ever fought or gone toe-to-toe with a stump, what would your reaction be? 
Have you, have you ever done that? I, I will never forget it. It was um, right here in Haywood County. It was several, several years ago. It was right off County Road. It was uh, the first house that Kristen and I ever um, uh, bought. And so on the one hand, we shall call it like a perfect opportunity. Can I, you know, it was a project. It was, uh, you know, it was an opportunity house. Um, when my mom saw it on move-in day, she sat at the dining room table and she cried. And they were not happy tears, right? Like, you know, can you sense something of what that might be like and, and what that might be about? Um, and so I, like, tried to explain to her that, that you know, like, just for example, like, out of her 25 issues with the, with the house, you know, the basement, it didn't just have a dirty floor, um, but it was actually a, a, a really cool addition. It was this thing not called, like, a dirt floor basement. It was a root cellar. Like, like some people have to pay extra for that, right? Like we got that thrown in for free. Like you get the point. I'm, I'm 25. I had seven years of college just behind me and I, and I know everything at that point. Like, have you been in that space? Can you identify with that? So uh, I remember it was right around the time that we found out that, um, that we were expecting with Drew and the backyard had become a bit more of a focus. It was beautiful grass to, to run in except for, well, like these roots that were like coming up out of the grass kind of everywhere, huge roots. And well, they would kind of like, you know, like vein up out of the grass and just enough to be able to catch your toes or, you know, kind of catch your toes and, and kind of throw you forward or uh, you'd step on it and kind of roll your ankle. So there wasn't a whole lot of like, I mean, the backyard wasn't big enough to play football in, but you know what I mean? You couldn't even really toss a ball or anything like that. So I knew it, you know, I knew it like needed to be done. Probably it needed to be done for a while that someone had taken down this, what probably was a really healthy and pretty large tree back there. But like somehow, like they kind of left the stump in place and it was right in the middle of the yard and it was almost like that stump was taunting me. It was almost like that stump was, have you ever like had something that, you know, it was going to be a bit of a task, but it was almost like that thing was calling out to you and it was like, come and get me, you know, come and get me. You guys have clearly never had that experience. All right. So, you know, things talk to me sometimes. So that's probably a whole other conversation, but but I remember like kind of trying to kind of figure out, like I remember taking an ax and a hatchet to it, thinking that was going to be brilliant. And, you know, and after a couple of hours of work, I couldn't lift my arms, but had barely made a dent in this big stump. Uh, I remember hearing about this machine that would come and grind it into shavings. Well, that was really cool, but like, you know, I had like a lot, a lot, a lot of student debt at the time. And so it wasn't going to be investigating any kind of, you know, expensive ways to be able to kind of get this stump out. Well, like I remember that some folks had talked about the fact that you could like throw gasoline on, <laughs> you, know, you throw gasoline on a stump and you could kind of burn it out. Well, there were three houses that were relatively close to this stump, and ours was one of them. So I decided, well, I decided to do what, you know, a lot of us would do. I just decided to go to Lowe's, right? And a buddy had told me about a bottle of stuff, you know, that you could buy. It's pretty cheap. And, you know, you drill into the stump several places, and, you know, you got some holes there now, and you kind of fill that stuff up, and you just wait. And, you know, well, it was pretty cheap. And so it sounds like a pretty good plan after all these different plans had kind of fallen apart. And so, well, um, the guy who I bought the house from, he's actually moving to Georgia. He was actually a retired Methodist pastor, super sweet couple. 
Um, I remember that they didn't really want to move, but their kids were making them move, so they weren't super happy about that. And they really didn't want to leave this house that they'd been in for a while. And so there's that. And I also remember that when we were negotiating price, we were about $5,000 apart. And I remember that the last time the realtor came back to us, that they had come down, not the 5000 like we wanted to meet somewhere in the middle, but they come down $500, but she had sent this amazing pan of brownies to close the deal. <laughs> Are, are you getting a sense of kind of, you know, like what this is like? And, you know, they didn't want anything in the dirt floor basement. I mean, the root cellar, like they didn't want anything in that. So they were graciously going to leave all of that to us, this new young couple that, you know, didn't have a lot of stuff. They were going to leave it all. You know, even the stuff that, you know, probably should have been thrown out 20 years ago. That was going to be there too, but, but it was all good. I, I mean, if I could describe this to you, I promise I have a point. Bear with me. I'm coming to it. But if I could describe these tools to you, they're Flintstone-era tools, right? Including the drill that I feel confident that Fred Flintstone used, <laughs> except it had, a, uh, you know, <laughs> it had a power cord that looked like this like, massive rope that was frayed in a thousand different directions. Like you are getting the image of all of this. I know you are. And so, you know, I broke out the extension cords and, you know, <laughs> I broke out and realized that that extension cord that was down there was like spliced eight different times with duct tape, you know, and then I, I pulled out the Flintstone drill and, and began to, to drill a little bit, you know, with the drill bit, it's like the size of a magic marker, you know, and it's probably about as sharp as a magic marker, you know, on the side. <laughs> something like that, except this was rust color. So you're getting the vibe. And, and I lay into that stump. <laughs> Skip hours, fast forward hours ahead. There's a few holes, like, I mean, just a few holes in this wooden stump where I'm pretty impatient at this point, And I just, you know, pour the powder in and, and, and I wait. I'm going to shorten the story. Friends, we were in the house for another two years. That stump got stronger rather than weaker <laughs> after that day. <laughs> I did not make a dent in that stump. I, I feel confident it was laughing at me. Um, but I also learned a lesson. I, I learned a lesson. The lesson for me that day was, well, there were a lot of lessons for me that day. But one of the lessons that I take away for today's sermon was that stumps are a force to be reckoned with. Stumps, healthy, living, live stumps, they're a force to be reckoned with. So like inner Isaiah, so Isaiah 11, and, and this notion of this shoot out of this stump of Jesse, father of David in the royal line, like this is the, the image, this is kind of Jewish royalty being listed off in, in Isaiah's um, prophecy here. And he's talking and affirming about the fact that, well, like in, in him, like in him, the one that's going to come that, you know, is going to, will just kind of help put some of this back together again. Um, there's this notion of high stature and, and the, you know, the, the lofty shall, the lofty shall be brought low and the low will, will have an opportunity to be elevated in a spirit of God's justice and, and he'll cut down the thickets of the forest with iron and Lebanon shall fall by a, a mighty one punchline, right? Out of all of kind of that Isaiah language is what looks like destruction. What looks like destruction is actually God rescuing. What looks like destruction is actually God on a rescue mission. 
Like God is cutting something down, not to destroy it, but to actually save it. God is like going to remove the infected parts so that the rest can somehow be protected and preserved and that the life that is there can continue to emerge, but clearly needs to emerge in a whole new kind of way. Because, well, in Israel's desire to fulfill its longings, like it sold out its inheritance in every way that it possibly could. And this is what Isaiah is raging about. This is what God seems to be raging about through Isaiah. Nothing wrong with longings. Like longings are universal. Like we all have them. They're actually really important that we have them. They're really important that we pay attention to. This is human condition kind of stuff. This is, well, like you're created in the image of God kind of stuff. This is, you know, you back to just the most microscopic parts of your DNA, and, and that somehow um, kind of woven into all of that is this deep desire that has been placed in us, that God has placed in us, that would allow us, would encourage us, would inspire us, would almost demand that in one way or another, we will like cry out for God and God's presence and a relationship with God. I mean, you know longing and I know longing. You know, that deep, almost intrinsic sense that, that disconnection is occurring and that disconnection that can be felt by God and, and others and, and ourselves when we're honest about it. And that God is remarkably instructive about the best ways to address those longings. But let's be honest, much like the people that Isaiah is preaching to and much like many of the folks that Jesus encountered in his earthly ministry... We rarely listen. I mean, most often we, we choose destruction. We choose destruction to soothe the longings because sometimes, friends, we'll do anything we can to just get the voices or the longing to stop in one way or another. Two, two interesting examples from the news this week. You may or may not have caught these. First one's kind of funny, but these are two true stories, though. Um, uh, so, like this lady who's in New Zealand, um, this lady who's in New Zealand is hungry, and so she grabs a chicken sandwich. Uh, and she is also trying to catch a plane to Australia. So she eats half of the chicken sandwich, she puts the rest back in the bag, and then she, um, you know, like, you know, airport, gets on a plane flies to Australia, gets to Australia, gets stopped by customs. They find a half a chicken sandwich in her bag, and she gets hit with a $3,000 fine for transporting an agricultural item without a permit. <laughs> Regulations, right? <laughs> Second one, maybe not so funny, but, um, but this guy I was hearing about this week who has like this vision for this new technology, he asks his mom to help out, she does. So what she does is like he just asks her a bunch of questions, all those questions get recorded. He gets a whole bunch of input, she fills out some surveys and things, like rec uh, records dozens and dozens of conversations, captures moments from, from her answered questions and all is well. Well, um, eventually, like after the project, mom, mom dies. And so this thing called Persona is launched and um, all that footage then somehow he fed into our artificial intelligence so that now years after his mom has died, he still calls her once a day and gets to talk with her or an artificial intelligent version of her. True story. It's um, choppy and clunky, but like her voice is like in real time response to the comments and questions that he asks and that he says. Sad news. 
is that he does this every day. And even sadder news is that like his friends that he was close to before all of this and also like his spouse that he's now going through a divorce with, um, like, like they've all began to pull away because suddenly, well, it feels safer and better for him to open up emotionally and be vulnerable to an artificial intelligent version of his dead mother versus the live people that have loved him and are around him. Eros, like, you know, they're kind of over it. And can you hear and see the longing? Like when I read that story, there's actually no judgment in that story for me. I got to get judgy about that because like with the pastor's heart, like I really, I really yearn for and care for and want to caretake the grief that he's feeling in his heart that is kind of beginning to, to really bleed out in some other parts of his life. Can you hear and can you see that longing? And what shall ever should we do with, with those kinds of longings? Well, well, I took Cam to a driving school yesterday where one of the lessons that he learned uh, is be careful where you look because your hands will eventually follow your eyes. Be careful where you look because if you're looking at the traffic accident that's happening over here, whether you know it or not, it might not happen immediately, but eventually your, your hands are going to begin to follow your eyes. So that is actually true for all of us. So, so like what we're looking at, what we're looking towards, what we're anticipating, what we're expecting, in some way, shape, or form, friends, that's what we're following. That's what we're following. Whatever shall we do with our longings? Friends, if we can't understand our longings for what we don't yet have and make room for kind of more of God in them, and if we don't kind of spend some time in our own life kind of praying over, like, like what are we meant to do with those longings, and why do we sometimes do things that are really destructive with them? And like, what does that look like, not only for those of us who are following Jesus, but for the world at large, which, you know, sometimes we see evidence of this just all over the place, but oftentimes don't see it for what it is. Thinking about the longing of what it's meant to be a part of the Long's Chapel family for the last year, one of the really interesting and profound things about being a part of the Long's Chapel family uh, over the last year is that we've kind of had a bit of a, well, a bit of a collective challenging time together. And what's interesting about that, right, in this particular case is that we all on Sundays come from different places with different kinds of longings that ultimately have the same kind of good news answer. But the reality is the circumstances that have led us to that longing, well, they're a bit different. They're a bit different. And, and, and there's been this really common experience that we've had over the last um, over, the, over this last year very specifically that has, like in common, we may have experienced the things that were happening differently, but we have all experienced them at, at some level. And we have this remarkable opportunity to be able to share about that, to build on that, and to see the longing in that, and to see the way that God longs to, um, well, let's put it this way, the way we sang about it, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel. Like how um, Olivia Dean, British soul singer, says this uh, as one of the lines of her songs. She said, you transplant the family tree and I'll carry the seed. You transplant the family tree 
and I'll carry the seed. Can you think about that spiritually? Can you think about that and what that might actually look like? And we're like thinking about a, a stump and we're thinking about a shoot that's a brand new bit of life and a new opportunity to experience the goodness of God and to be able to carry the seed of that good news to a hurting and broken world that longs for that but doesn't know that that's what they're longing for. Good news, right? You do understand longing. Good news, you, you were created to understand it. Good news, you're here today and we actually have an opportunity to talk about and chase down where the heart of actually every longing that you really have. I'm not just talking about the three, am I gotta have Doritos kind of longing. I'm talking about deeper stuff, right? Like deeper stuff. Like, I don't know, like I lost my mom and I don't really know what to do with the feelings that I'm having about that. I wanna stay connected to her, but I don't know how to do that. And like those kinds of longings. Where Isaiah 11, right? The lowly condition of, of Judah from which the Messiah comes. Well, it's shown to be this image of this like green shoot that comes out of the base of this tree, which still has roots in the ground and may on the top give an appearance that it's dead, but it's actually anything but dead because there is still remarkable amounts of fight and life in that tree. Life does come from it. Like the shoot gives promise that the whole tree, the, the Davidic kingship, the whole messianic line in Jewish language will one day be gloriously replaced and restored with this promise of new life of the one who is to come, who we know in our heart to be Jesus. And that we have the chance, friends, to allow, to allow God to fill us with the hope and with the joy and, and with the love, right? And with the peace that's, that's necessary to not only be able to receive like the answer to that longing that comes in Jesus, but the opportunity to, to live that out in the lives in which we're called to live. I, I, this didn't originate with me, but I, I saw it this week and it was a quote and it talked about the fact there are two ways to live. Two ways to live. First, as if nothing is a miracle. Second, as if everything is. There are two ways to live, friends. Like first, as if nothing is a miracle. Second, as if everything is. In this moment, I can like thank God for the green shoot that comes off the stump that comes out of the roots of a long line of grace that God has continued to seed into to human existence and into this world. I, um, I, I didn't knock on the door and ask to go see my stump after 25 years this week. I didn't do that. But what I did do is I did the chicken way of I'm passing by and so I throw my car over and I go back over to the fence and I try to see what I can see through the fence. Have you ever... You ever done that at a house where you previously lived? And it's best I could tell kind of through looking through the pickets of the fence. Um, that stuff from Lowe's didn't work because that stump is still there. <laughs> that stump is still there. 25 years later, that stump is still there. I did everything I could to kill it. And, and it seems as strong as ever. Because the tree may have fallen. But, um, well, there's still a whole lot of life 
left in the stump and left in the roots. Um, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, can we pray together? God of grace and God of glory, uh, there's a lot of things that we encounter in our life that have fell. They felt chopped down. They felt taken away. They felt unjust. Sometimes, oh God, um, we've had some resentment and some bitterness that's welled up in us about that, about how could you, you know, a good and loving God, you know, even allow things that have been meaningful for us to not exist always in the way that we have known them. And yet, oh God, in this moment, we have an opportunity to collectively come and acknowledge that we all go through that, and yet we're here that there are branches that have been cut off, and sometimes, oh God, it feels like the whole tree of life has fallen, only to find out there's a new green shoot that is beginning to emerge that seems to have the potential for incredible life that will carry on the best of what has been. And so, oh God, that is the gift that we hold in our hearts and the hope that we hold in our hearts in this moment. Pray, oh God, that whatever that may mean for us, that we'd have an opportunity this day, in this moment, to open up our hearts and to open up our lives, oh God, to maybe just the possibility for, or, or, or maybe the reality of, the fact, oh God, that you are longing to bring new life that glorifies you from each and every part of our life as we offer our life to you. You did that, oh God, for Israel and through Jesus, and you do that for us, and we are so very grateful. Pray, oh God, that in this time of uh, nourishment, that, that may be like one of the most amazing ways that we have a chance to to access the gift of your grace uh, is through the gift of Holy Communion as we celebrate it and observe it together. And we pray, oh God, that you would uh, open up our hearts and that you would pour your grace in. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining the Long's Chapel Message Podcast. If you connected in any way with us via this podcast, we invite you to connect further by either leaving a rating and review down below or contacting us via our church website at longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ because all people matter to God. See you next week.